Thank you, Lisa. All right, well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's good to see you guys. Glad that you're here. Uh, and uh, if you are a guest, we are especially happy that you're here. It can be a big step to, to, to visit a church for the first time, and uh, we're just glad that you're here with us. We hope you feel welcomed, and we really hope that God stirs you this morning and blesses you this morning, uh, because it's not an accident that we're here. God has purpose and intention today. Uh, when we gather together on Sundays, it's not just about uh, us checking something off of a to-do list, but rather we're coming and we're encountering the living God uh, who wants to speak speak to us and stir us up uh, and pour things into us today that will change our lives forever. Uh, and I just, I love this about the nature of God, that as we encounter God, uh, he radically impacts us and changes us and transforms us. Uh, and our God is a God who sets free. Our God is a God who gives purpose and life uh, and who loves us dearly. And uh, we're going to see that this morning as we study the word together. Um, we are working through a series uh, in the book of Galatians. And we're going to read from Galatians today, but this passage that we're going to read, uh, it really references uh, an Old Testament story. And, uh, and I think it's important that we look at the story. So we're going to have a little bit of story time today as we look at this uh, Old Testament character, Abram, uh, also called Abraham, and, uh, and his wife, Sarah, and, uh, and really how they encountered God and how that relates to the things that Paul says to us in this letter uh, to the Galatians. And if you're not familiar with uh, the, the, the Bible, that's okay. Uh, you know, it's, it's helpful to get a good introduction to it at some point. And uh, Galatians is a letter in the New Testament. So the Bible's divided Old Testament and, and New Testament. Uh, the Old Testament is about the first two-thirds of the Bible. Uh, and then the, the New Testament is the last third of the Bible. And uh, the New Testament kicks off with Jesus entering into human history. Uh, he was born uh, to a woman uh, named Mary, uh, and this is what we celebrate at Christmas, is God being born on the earth, pretty wild story. Uh, and then the New Testament starts with that. It starts with the birth of Christ, uh, and that changes uh, the world it, it, forever and ever. In fact, we measure our time based on when Jesus enters into the world. Um, and, uh, and so after we get this introduction of Jesus and this time of ministry of Jesus, we get a series of other books in the Bible that sort of follow up uh, after the life of Jesus. In Galatians, uh, in particular, it's a book in the New Testament that is a letter to a, a church. It's a letter to a group of people who have said, we believe Jesus is who he says he is. We believe he's our Lord and our Savior, uh, and we follow him. And so what's great about these letters that I love, they're like, this is, this is almost 2,000 years old, this letter, uh, is how it's timeless. It was informative to the Galatians, uh, and here it is recorded in the Bible for you and I, for our instruction. Uh, and so it's a letter that stirs us up in our faith. It's a letter that directs us, and uh, we've been working through it. We're actually in week 13 of this series, um, and... Um, if you missed any of them, uh, we're updating uh, our sermons on our YouTube, so those should be getting caught up. Many of the Galatian sermons are available on there, so you can follow on there and you can listen through the book. Uh, it's a great thing. I think it's, a, it's, it's an awesome experience to read a book of the Bible while also listening to sermons through that book, uh, because it's amazing the depth of God's Word. Like, if you've not experienced this, you know, I've read Galatians dozens and dozens and dozens of times, and it's amazing because the Bible says that it's a, it's a living and active Word, that the Word of God 
God. The Bible is a living and active book. And, uh, and there's this idea that like as you dig in, there's just there's no end to the depth that we discover. So we'll see some of that today. Uh, I'm going to read our passage, uh, and then I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to give us a little bit of introduction, and then we're going to go into this story that Paul talks about here. And, and, uh, and I just encourage you this morning to ask God um, really to speak to you and to stir you uh, and to ask God, hey, what is it you're calling me to? That's going to kind of be our big question today. What is it you, Lord, are calling me to? Um, and, uh, and so I just want you to kind of be thinking about that question as we, we read through this here. All right, so Galatians 4, uh, verses 21 through 31. This is what it says. Um, and uh, it says, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born uh, through the promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem. For she is in slavery with her children, but the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as uh, at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. So also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but children of the free woman. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, uh, we just ask that you would come and bless us this morning. I pray you open up your word, that we would see it. Lord, I pray you open up hearts and that, Father, today you would move mightily uh, in this room. That, Lord, you would stir hearts up. That, Father, your power would come. Uh, that you would answer this question, Lord, what are you calling me to? Who are you calling me to be? Father, I pray you would answer that well this morning, that you would stoke a, a fresh fire, that you would grow a fire uh, that's already going in hearts this morning. Lord, that you would have your way, that we would be your people. And that, God, we wouldn't be people who, who get led into slavery and death, but rather we would be people who are led into the promises of God, the life of God, the grace of God, the purpose of God, the kingdom of God, all built on faith in God. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us this morning and have your way in us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, so as I read that story, you might be like, what is this, what is this letter saying? And, and so it's important to understand, Paul is writing to an audience who would have known these Old Testament stories very well. They would have, they, they would have had some information already. And at the same time, again, we're kind of picking up in the middle of this letter because we're at week 13 of the letter of the Galatians. So if as I was reading that, you're like, man, what is this saying? Uh, that's okay, don't, don't, don't fret too much. We're gonna, we're gonna sort of unravel this as we go. Go. And, and actually, at the beginning here, I'm just going to kind of point out some big ideas from our, 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 our passage that we read this morning. Um, so really, he opens up with this question, and he says, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? He opens up with this question, and, and we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean to desire to be under the law? What do you think that means? I mean, think about that for a second. What does it mean to desire to be under 
the law. I think it's good to think through this. In simple terms, this is what it means. This is kind of one of the major themes of Galatians. It's one of the major themes of Christianity. Uh, So it's good that we understand this. Uh, to, to, To desire to be under the law means to rely on your own effort to find your life and your righteousness. Right, so this. Let me say that again. To to want to be under the law, to desire to be under the law, it it means to want to rely on your own effort. Right, you can think about this like this: for you to be in control. Right, for your salvation, your life, your joy, your purpose to be up to you. That's what it means to desire to be under the law. And Paul's like, hey, you who desire that, have you not read the whole thing? Do you not really understand what the law is saying? And then he basically is making this comparison saying that when you desire to have control of your life, you actually walk a path that leads to slavery. That's a huge point to get of the the gospel. It's saying when you try to control your life, when you try to prove your your righteousness by your own effort, uh, or you try to build your own purpose or your own joy by your own effort, what will happen is you will become a slave. And he's saying this is not who you are called to be. You're not children of the slave. You are children of promise, okay? And and you're like, well, what what does that mean? What does it mean to be, well, children of promise. Think about this again. How are we defining these terms? Note here, we're going to, and we're going to see this as we read our story in in Genesis. Actually, I think it really comes alive as you see the story in Genesis. So again, when when you are in control, what what the Bible is basically saying, when you take control of your life, you will always end up in slavery. You'll be enslaved by the things of this world. You can get enslaved by the desires of your own flesh. You can get enslaved by this idea of of self-righteousness, proving yourself uh, righteous by your own efforts. And and to be children of promise is to lay down your life, which includes laying down your control, right? And, And what you're saying is, I'm going to believe God's promise. Okay, that's what it means to be a child of the promise, is to say, I- I'm going to lay down my control. I'm going to lay down me having, you know, as much as I can in my hands, and I'm going I'm to lay that down at the feet of God, and I'm going to believe his word is true, his promises are true, and that he is God. And in that, we actually give up, not just our lives, we give up our control of our lives, which can be very unsettling. Right? Very unsettling. Even as I say this, you recognize this. Like, think about it. You, you're constantly in this, this state in your life where, where you, you're, you're constantly, every day, right? Am, am, do, I, do I grab and have control or, or do I trust in God? Do I walk with God? Do I go where God tells me to go? And if God is calling you this morning, as you ask this, God, where are you calling me to go? Oftentimes, the reason we don't go is that we don't want to lose control or our faith is weak. We don't really believe God's able to do what he says he's going to do. Um, and, uh, and we're going to see this. So this is really what this passage is trying to communicate to us, is that we are not children uh, who, who, who are uh, of the law, of the flesh. We're not children who, uh, who are meant to have control of their whole lives, but rather we are children of promise who are meant to be children of faith, like walking with God in faith and by faith. Uh, and we're going to see this as we go. And, and when you think about the law, I want to I just say a couple things about the law here. Right? In the Old Testament, obviously, we have uh, the law. And, and in simple terms, the law is <coughs> excuse me, a set of rules and regulations that show us mostly what the outward appearance and actions of righteousness are. Right? So you understand that. Like there's a law, and it's like, hey, law, the law, uh, when you follow the law, it, it kind of leads you to outward actions that, that should uh, be considered good or righteous. Um, 
And we all have this, you and I, like you may not follow the Old Testament law, but every single one of us in this room, we have a set of like ideas, rules, laws, that when you follow these things, it makes you a good person. You know, some of them are probably in a category of like, well, you can't ever do this, because if you do this, you're, you're, that's it, you're, you're done. Uh, and then there's like a set of things like, well, you can kind of tell a white lie. And, and actually, I would say, and the Bible tells us this, that when it comes to our leniency of the law, it basically is like we show ourselves a lot of grace, but we tend to condemn others, right? And, uh, and so, like, <laughs> you're, you, you may be like, well, these things, these things you can never do until you do them. And then you're like, well, I didn't mean to do it, right? And, uh, and, and so, but we all, the idea is that we understand uh, that we all have a sort of rule or, or, or set of laws that we live by. But it's not just about rules and regulations. The law also includes ideas about purpose where we ultimate, and where we ultimately find our source of life. This is really interesting because I think this is sometimes negated. Actually, the, a lot of the Old Testament, God gets caught up in this. It, it is, is he's like, hey, you bring me sacrifices and you do these outward works, but your hearts are far from me. He, he's saying like the part of the law is about intent. It's about, uh, it's about what is really in your heart. Um, and even the Ten Commandments, they start with this. The first one is don't have any other gods, <laughs> uh, right? There's no other, there's no other gods um, besides God. Uh, and then the second one is don't create your own gods or worship the work of human hands, right? So the first one is there's no other gods besides me, so don't have any other gods. Uh, and the second one is don't create any new gods. And what I think is, those are the first two commandments. You ever think about that? That like the first two really have to do with the heart, right? What do you worship? Who do you worship? And what I find is telling is that in the Old Testament, it can almost seem ludicrous to us that people would build these like statues out of wood or metal and, and then they would bow down and they would worship them. But like all of us in this room have something made out of things of the earth that we sometimes bow down and worship, right? Like we give our lives, we look for our purpose uh, in the like human created things. And, it, and it's funny because it's really not that different. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a little, little less complicated, or maybe a little more complicated, uh, and maybe a little more logical to, to worship uh, something that you're like, oh, well, I get a benefit from this, like a, a, a wood sculpture of a, of a false god is just that. Um, but the first two commandments really have to do with the heart. And here's the thing. The idea is that, again, the law is not just about, uh, about outward appearance and things that, 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 that show what righteousness looks like. The law also gives us some idea of what purpose is and where we ultimately find our source of life. So everyone in here, you guys in here, right? You're living a way where you're like, this kind of life I'm living is going to lead to a certain outcome. Uh, I, you, you make the decisions you make, you live the life that you make or that, that you live with the idea that somewhere in the end you will find the life that you're looking for, right? This is common sense, but it's also something we assume. It's something that lies below the surface, something we may not examine or think about as much as we should. And what do I mean? Like, well, ask yourself this. Why do you live the life that you live? How have you ended up where you've ended up? Well, it's because somewhere below the surface, in a place that you don't tend to think about that much, and, and when we do, typically when we do, it's, there's two reasons why we ask the big questions, the big why questions. Either something has gone horribly wrong in our lives, or we've encountered God. Those are like the two places that humans begin to ask these deep. So when your life is comfortable, when your life is, is cozy, like a sermon like this, is, it, it's going to be hard for you to hear. 
right? Because it takes either your life just being completely flipped around, uh, or it takes radically encountering God, which is what we hope every time we gather on Sundays, is that the word of God is preached. And I don't know if you've noticed this. I've noticed this in people as I have conversations with them, is that like, uh, you know, sometimes you can be at church on Sunday, you can be worshiping, you can be hearing the word taught, and you're like, wow, I get it, I see it. And you feel conviction in your heart. Uh, And then you get to Monday, and it's like, wait, there was something I was thinking about from the sermon yesterday, but it's faded. And then Tuesday comes around, and you're like, oh, man. And then then Wednesday, you're like completely not even thinking about it. And it's like, well, there's this idea of as you draw near to God, he draws near to you. you. As you seek after God, he reveals himself plainly. And as you seek after the things of this world, uh, they sort of, the Bible almost says a lot of times they they can blind us. They're like darkness. Uh, And he is like light. And, And so here's the thing, like, there are, all of us in this room, you have, you have an answer to the question, like, why do you live the life that you live? And what has led you to the life that you currently have? Sometimes there's something uncomfortable about these questions, right? There's something really uncomfortable about these questions. And, and I, think, uh, I think we don't like to answer them or think about them too deeply because there can be fear or we can worry that our answers will be shallow. Or what if you come to the conclusion, I'm doing it wrong, right? Like, why, what am I pursuing? And ultimately, you find that it's empty and not worthwhile. Um, and uh, and this, this passage really is focused in on this idea. Like, there's a way to live your life that leads to slavery and death. And there's a way to live, live your life that leads to freedom and a meaningful life. And this is what God wants to lead you to. The life of freedom and meaningful life. Remember, you're not children of slavery. I mean, some of you in this room, your life might feel like you're just trapped, right? You might just feel like I'm trapped. I gotta, I gotta work, and I got because I got debt, and I gotta pay off my, and I got all these costs and expenses, and I'm really just like kind of doing the same things every day, and it doesn't feel like my life is that purposeful. Uh, that might be uh, uh, the kind of answer that you come up with, and that that could be a little bit depressing. But the good news is, God is saying that's not who you are. That's not who you were made to be. You were made, rather, to be a child of promise. You were made, actually, to be someone who walks with God in any circumstance, right? Anyone in this room, regardless of your life circumstances, let me tell you what you can do. You can right now say, Lord, I want to live the life you have for me and not the life I have for me. Now, here's the thing. When you relinquish control and you begin to walk by faith in the promises of God, it can be very much like going into the wilderness, right? Like, I don't know where I'm at. This is unfamiliar territory, uh, and God, if you don't move, I don't know what I'm going to do. And God will often not let you see six miles out, but the next step and the next step and the next step. And then sometimes while you're walking that path with God, what will happen is a trial will come up. A pit will be formed. Someone will come running at you with a knife, right? Maybe not, hopefully not literally, but spiritually, right? And, and, and like, and you will get, you will get sideswiped. You will get, to, and you'll think, Lord, you led me into the wilderness and then I got attacked. Why would this happen? Right? And I can tell you this, it's happened to me, it will happen to you, it also happened to Jesus. You know, that, that famous story of Judas, the disciple who was his dear friend. If you read carefully in the book of John, what you will see is that right before Judas betrays Christ, Judas gets down on his, his knees and he washes all the disciples' feet. He washed all of them, all 12, even Judas. And at the time, it seems apparent Jesus knows what's about to happen. Like this was like the, the idea of him washing his feet was this idea of they were dear friends, they were intimate friends, they were best friends, they were close friends. All right, so think about that. Like you, you in this room, you've been betrayed by people who were very close to you and it hurt dearly. God doesn't want you to harden your heart. Hardening your heart will lead to a slavery, to bitterness, to anger, to victimhood. 
right? Your life, you don't want your life to be lived as a, as a victim where constantly everything is every, the result of your life. It's not on you. It's, it's the result of everything ever, that ever happened to you, right? That's slavery in disguise, right? God wants to set you free from that. But, but this idea that we will all face hardship, we'll all face trial, this is very common. And it's true. The Bible actually says it. First Peter says, don't be surprised when the fire trial comes upon you. And so this idea of as we give our lives to God, it feels a lot like giving ourselves, giving up control, giving ourselves fully over to God, being in the wilderness. And then when you're in the wilderness, only seeing one step at a time and bad stuff happens, uh, my encouragement would be this, is to persevere in your identity. Who are you? We're children of promise. We keep going even when it's hard. We keep saying, I trust you, Lord, even when we don't see the other side. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, I mean, we can just look at the gospel, the nature of the gospel. Jesus persevered through so many things. He persevered. He wept in the Garden of Gethsemane, like right before he went to the cross, because he was like, Lord, if there's any other way, Heavenly Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. If there's any other way, and then he says, but Lord, not my will, your will be done. Right, sometimes you're in the middle of the storm, and you're like, I want anything else but this. And we have to say, because we're children of promise, we're not children of the law that, that we have control, and our lives are in our hands. Rather, we're children of promise where we fully give ourselves to God. And we say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. There must be some good through this. And I'll tell you this, it, it, it's not a pithy statement, right? God will work all things together for good for those who are called by him, right? For those who are his, if you belong to him, if you've given your life to him, he will work out all things for good, even when it seems impossible. I was talking to somebody last night, and I was like, you know, it's funny because what I have come to recognize is like, it's, it's so bizarre, but the worst things in my life that I've ever walked through, and while I was in them, I was like, these are not fair, right? Like I, I used to have a really good paying job where I didn't work with that many people, and then I, became, I laid that down, <laughs> Cut my salary in half to work at a job that is so weirdly in the public eye, right? Like when you're a scientist, no one criticizes you for being a scientist. But when you're a pastor, it feels like suddenly you get all this criticism. And sometimes from people, you're like, I, I love you. I'm like pouring myself out for you. And some reason you hate me and I, and I struggle with that. Or some reason, you, you know, and, and it's like, and so, and then when, when things go really wrong, I'm like, God, this was your idea. You told me to quit my job. And I did in faith. And then I was like, ah, yes, look at my great faith. Like, Lord, I deserve to like have the best church ever. And, I, and I'm like, and, you know, and, and, and then when it was like stuff was going wrong, I'm like, God, God, this was your idea. And I walked with you and I went with you into the wilderness and I laid down my control. And I, I, got a, I spent, you know, four years getting a really hard to get degree and I don't even use it. And like, I'm like, God, I laid that down for you. Like, don't I deserve? And, and so it's like in the middle of my suffering, it was awful. And then it was like relentless. It was like three years. Of, and I'm like, God, three, like, come on, man. Like, why has it got to be so rough? And, uh, and honestly, it was, it was like, it was fun. Here's the funny thing. It was like three years. And then we got to 2020. And I was at the beginning of 2020. I was like, okay, God, this is the year for Living Hope Church. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. Like every pastor was like 2020 vision, baby. Oh yeah, this is gonna, it's gonna preach so good. Oh man. So it's like I had three years of like nightmare and then like the beginning of 2020. And honestly, if you wanna know, honestly, I, I, I checked out a bit, right? Who didn't check out a bit in 2020? Let's be honest, right? What I love about the Bible is the Bible says, when we are faithless, he remains faithful. Right? Because he cannot, that's, it's who he is. And so, you know what is so good? It's so good to know 
right? It's not an excuse. It shouldn't make us be like, well, I'm just going to go be faithless, right? That's not what it should lead you. Rather, it should be like, Lord, like, I mean, it, it undoes my heart when I realize that. Like, even when I'm weak, he is strong. And actually, in my weakness, I encounter God's strength in a way I can't meet it any other way, right? And, and so, that really, that three years stretched into four or five years of pretty difficult, like, ministry. And the whole time, I'm like, oh, Lord, like, this was your idea. You will go through suffering. You will go through situations. You cannot, you feel like you'll never see any good in it. And yet God is with you in it. And, and so what I said to this person last night, I was like, you know, it's weird because what I've realized is like, the, the, like it's almost like as I've endured through really hard things that, that completely confounded my mind at the time. I came out on the other side, as long, I just, it was like one step of faithfulness at a time. Like, okay, I'm a child of child, I'm gonna keep going, God. What am I gonna do, apply for my old scientist job? I might have submitted one resume one time uh, in a dark day. I, the next day I woke up and I deleted it. I unsent it, but I did submit it. That did happen. Uh, and I was like, Lord, you know, I was like, man, God, if somebody calls me after being submitted for 12 hours, I'm going. Uh, that's gonna be your voice. So that's gonna be a minor miracle. Uh, and he laughed at me. But like, so it's like, I just, one step at a time. And, and what happens, it's like, you almost, as you endure, it's like you get spiritual superpowers, right? Like, now that's like a modern take of it. Peter's like, you know, Paul's like, you get something more precious than gold, right? And, uh, and so it's basically the same. But like, you get this, like, there's this spiritual pr- fruit, the spiritual life, the spiritual reward. That is like, it's, and, and like, it's hard for me to describe what exactly this looks like. Because the Bible's like, Peter says, uh, when we come to Christ, we receive joy inexpressible and filled with glory. That literally is saying a joy that has no end, a joy that you can't get to the bottom of. That's the kind of joy I want, right? If we walk in the world, we're used to like joy where you, like, you go to the game or you go to the concerts or, or your favorite football team wins the World Series and then it basically it's, it fades and you're like, is this it? Where's the Bible? Is like, there's joy inexpressible and filled with glory. In Christ, there is a treasure that is not searchable, right? Like, it's unsearchable riches of Christ, the Bible says. Think about that. You can search it. You can't get to the end of it. That's what unsearchable means. It doesn't mean you can't know it. It means you can know it and never get to the end of it. The way I like to describe this is that as you drink of Christ, this is what's wild, as you drink of Christ, as you drink of the word of God, as you spend your life with God, what will happen is it's like having, it's like having water that the more you drink it, the fuller it gets. The more you drink it, the more satisfying it gets. That's what it's like to walk with God. Everything in this world, it's like it's used up as you use it, and it's less satisfying than it was the last time. God is the opposite I love how 1 Peter puts this in, in chapter 1 of 1 Peter. If you haven't read it, it's a good book to read. <clears throat> at the end of the day, this is, this is where this passage is pointing us. Let's, let's, look, at, let's look at Abraham's life. I'm, I'm going to read a couple of passages. We're going to spend the next two weeks working through this. We're going to be in the same passage in Galatians. And we're really going to work through Abraham's life uh, as we look. Because it's just, you need to know that story to understand what Paul's saying here in Galatians. Um, and it will... What's crazy is after we talk about all this, when we reread that passage in Galatians, it'll click in a new way. You'll be like, oh, because you see it um, as God reveals it. So here's, here's, this is Genesis 12, and this is the, the, really the in, one of the big introductions to Abraham. And it's going to sound very familiar. You're going to be like, oh, okay, yeah. Like this, there's a pattern of how God calls us, right? What is God calling you to? There's a pattern of how God calls us. Uh, and it's always a thrill, but it's also a little terrifying. Uh, <laughs> And yet, there's glory and life and wonder and purpose that you were made for. It's the thing you were made for. Um, 
So here's, what, here's, what, here's how our intro to Abram, Abraham starts. And his name was Abram at first, so that, that's, uh, and then he, his name was changed to Abraham because when you encounter God, he changes you so much, he changes your core identity of who you are. Uh, and yet you still retain, uh, it's like he, he cuts off what, what doesn't need to be there and, and like brings to life like who you're meant to be, who you're called to be in Christ. Uh, so Genesis 12, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and to him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him. And Lot, who was his nephew, went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Lot of, that, isn't that a meaty four verses? Right? Like, first of all, th- I mean, really think about this. The call from God to Abram was a call. He said, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. He's saying, leave your comfort. Leave what's familiar. To go where I am calling you. Now, again, it's, 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 it's got to be God's call. It's got to be God. And, and Abram hears this, it's, but it's a radical call. Right? God is calling us. He's saying, hey, I'm calling you out of your comfort. I'm calling you out of the place you're comfortable, and I'm calling you to come with me where I'm going to take you. And this place that he's taking him is the wilderness. It literally is this like unsettled land, and, and there's all these sort of warring tribes. So it's like it's a land where there's some conflict. Right? You're going to see it. Like It's a couple chapters later where you see the whole Sodom and Gomorrah events in the book of Genesis. That's sort of famous for how intense it is. Uh, and, and so God is saying, I want you to come out of the comfort that you're living in, what's familiar to you, and I want you to come with me and trust me and walk with me, and I will show you something. Right? Note that it's, sort of, it's, like it's an invitation to walk by faith. Like When God calls you, he's saying, come with me, and I will show you what I have for you. I will show you who you're supposed to be. I will show you my kingdom. All right? But it's a, it's a process. right? It's, it's the beginning of an eternal life where we begin to walk with God. And I, I, and I love this. Um, all right, what does Abraham do? He goes because he's a man of great faith. Let me ask you this, when God calls you to leave comfort, when God calls you to, to leave the places that you, you, you're, you're like, well, this is what, like if God were to say, hey, I want you to quit your job and go minister to people. God were to say, hey, like here's, here's what I have come to realize is that most, anyone in here, if, if you're in here and you're a Christian, God is whispering something more for you. He's, he's saying, hey, come with me. Hey, come with me. Hey, come with me. Hey, jump onto that, All right? And we're, we, can, we can tend to sort of suppress it a bit and, and turn from it a bit. But this is the question. When God calls you, do you go or do you stay? Do you do what's easy or do you do God's will? Right, Abraham had all the things we often seek, and yet God called him to leave that, to leave his kingdom building, and to go with God into God's kingdom building. Right, into a new, unknown life, fully walking in faith and trusting in God and his promise. So the story picks up. We're going to read a little bit more here. The story picks up uh, in verse 10. This is what it says. Now there was a famine in the land. (laughs) Don't miss this. Come with me. Boom, famine hits. Just a few, I mean, this this is verse 10. So six verses ago, Abram is a man of great faith and obedience, going with God where God calls him. 
And as he goes, what happens? Trial comes. A famine in the, God, you led me here. You, you're God, you knew there was going to be a famine, and here I am. Famine in the land. So what happens? So Abram, logically, goes down to Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was severe. Now, this isn't a mild famine, this is a severe famine. And a famine's like where there's, there's, there's no rain, there's no food being produced, so there's not enough food uh, for, to feed people. So people are dying, things are hard. Abram has a lot of stuff, we'll find out, because he came from a place of wealth and comfort. And so to keep everybody alive, he's like, I'm going to go to Egypt. So when he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarah, his wife, I know that you're a woman, beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. So say that you're my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abraham entered Egypt, and the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful, uh, and when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep and oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. Right? So this is a very interesting story. Right? Uh, so Abram uh, comes into, he goes into Egypt with, with Sarai at this time. Her name also gets changed as she encounters God. And they, they, they go into Egypt to escape a famine. Right? But, but Abram's logical, and he's like, my wife is gorgeous, and she's like 65 at the time, so don't you love the Bible beauty standards? Like, the 65-year-old woman is like the pinnacle of beauty, uh, and, uh, and I love it, right? Like, and, and so he, 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 um, he is afraid, and he lets his fear dictate his decision-making, and do you notice it? Like, he throws his wife under the bus here. He's like, hey, why don't you tell him you're my sister, which, by the way, makes her eligible for them to marry which they do. The Pharaoh marries her, right? Because she's, he's like, oh, look, this is dude's sister, right? And they don't have any kids. This is an important part of, of, of their history is that, you know, he's 75 when he gets called. She's 65 and they have no children. So she's barren. She can't have kids. By the time you're 65, you know, you're usually past the ability to even make kids. You know, even if you could have had kids, that's like 65. It's like, it's done. It's not happening. Uh, and, and so they don't have kids. They're older. The Pharaoh takes her as his wife, uh, and, and, uh, and then things go really, really wrong. But like, no, Abraham reacted in fear. Like, you and I, when we're afraid, what, what do we try to do? We begin to try to fix this. We try to manipulate the situation to do what? To ensure our safety. Right? He goes in faith into the wilderness, but then suddenly, instead of walking by faith, he begins to walk by, you know, self-preservation, self-effort. This idea that I need to give myself salvation. <clears throat> as soon as he goes with God, a trial hits, a famine comes. This leads them into Egypt, a place of great wealth and power, but Abraham is so fearful he's going to lose his life, and this causes him to sin. He falters in this faith, right? But we can be like this, even though there's a lot. We can panic when something looks bad. Now, here's the thing. Abram, Abraham and his family are spared in Egypt because God shows his power and favor for Abraham. So what ends up happening is the Pharaoh marries uh, Sarai, uh, Sarah and uh, and and. Then all these plagues and all these terrible things start happening because he's, he's sinning. And so God's pouring out judgment on Egypt. And, and the Pharaoh's like, whoa, something's going on. And so he goes to Abraham and he's like, what is happening? And Abraham's like, that's actually my wife. And he's like, why would you do that to me? Right? And, and clearly he has some respect for Abram's God. He's like, this, something's with this guy. Like, 
And he just says, just go. And so they get kicked out of Egypt. So think about that. His fear uh, led him into Egypt. His fear led him into throwing his wife under the bus. Uh, and then his fear ended up ultimately getting them spit back out. And what happens is, when you read the story, it says they ended up back where they, began, they, they started. So he ends up back in the place where he started when God first called him. Right? Sometimes our foolishness, sometimes us taking things in our own hand can, can create setbacks in our lives. Now here's the good news. God is still faithful, right? Obviously he spared, uh, he spared Abram and Sarah, even though they, they operated, really Abram operated in a lack of faith, but they end up back where they started. And then this is what it says. There's, there's some, that actually this leads to the great, the, a lot of the conflict that happens with Sodom and Gomorrah. They end up in a kind of a, in a place in the wilderness that's a little more dangerous and hazardous, and God shepherds them through this. And then our story, we're going to pick up our story today in Genesis 15. Um, and, uh, and this is what it says. It says, after these things, all right, so about, uh, I want to say it, there, was, there, was, there was about 10 years of time had passed uh, from these events. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, for I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. I love that reminder. God's saying, hey, you think you got to protect, no, 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 I am your shield. You don't got to protect, like, I am your shield. I will, I will justify you. I will protect you. I will keep you and guide you and lead you. It says, I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. But Abraham said, or Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir, your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars, if you were able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. This is, this is, a, this is a beautiful little section of scripture here. Like You got Abram, who's kind of been through some stuff now. Uh, and his faith is it's not, it, it's, it's just, he's wavering. He's coming to God, and he's really expressing his heart like, God, you've given me this promise. It's been about 10 years at this point. And all that's happened is sort of heartbreak and trial. They don't, he's like, you keep saying, you're going you're gonna to bless me. You're going to give me offspring. And yet, he's, Sarah's barren. They don't have any kids. He's like, I'm about to die. He's pretty old at this point. Uh, and he's like, I'm about to die, and this guy's going to become my heir. Like, Lord, what are you doing? And as, as Abram really wrestles with God in prayer, God answers, how does he answer? What, I love this answer. He, God says, he gives him a bigger view of the promise. He says, he, he says, come outside and look up at the stars. And he says, you see all these stars? Count them if you can. I'm going to give you that many offspring. So God makes the promise even bigger. And I love this. It's, and he gives more clarity. But he's reminding Abram that he, God, is in control and not to fear and trust him. Right? When things seem the most unlikely... Abram, again, remember, he was 75 when he got called. Sarah is 65. Like, guys, we're children of the promise. And what this means is that in your life, in your circumstance, you may be here and be like, man, what can God do in my life? You may be like, I've got stuff in my life that, like, I just don't see how God could use me. Right? Because this, this isn't about, like, oh, man, I, I'm going to get the biggest house, and I'm going to get the biggest car, and I'm going I'm to live my life my way. Like, no, 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 this is about God is calling you to his eternal plan of glory, to his eternal kingdom uh, of power and life and light. And he's saying you have a part to play. In fact, you were made to play a part in this. 
And you may be like, that promise seems too big for me. I can understand. Like, I actually think when we settle for houses and we settle for cars and we settle for money and we settle for career, we're settling for a lesser thing because we can wrap our mind around how I work hard and I can get a bigger house. And, uh, but the thing is, is that ultimately leads to slavery and it doesn't really ever satisfy. And yet here God is saying, no, I've called you. I've made you for a purpose. All of your gifts and all of your skills that God has given you, he's given to you for the purpose of walking in his purposes, uh, of building up his kingdom. Like you are a child of promise in Christ. You're someone created for the works that God has for you to build his kingdom. And there's no higher call. There's this moment in the book of Psalms where David, and, and, and sort of great praise, he's like, Lord, I'd rather be a, a doorkeeper in, in your house than anything else. He's like, that'd be the best thing, right? Just a tiny, small role in your kingdom, in your household. God, that would be the best possible outcome. When you really see who God is, when you really recognize the bigness and the depth of God's kingdom, you'll, you'll, you'll understand, like, wow, what a thing. And here's what's crazy. It's God calls you to something greater than that. He's saying, no, 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 you're not just a dorky, you're not just a servant. You are a son. You are a daughter in the house of God who has give, who's been divinely commissioned with the very spirit of God to go with him as he builds his kingdom, as he brings his life, as he transforms life. And this is the thing God's calling you to above all else. Right? When you ask that question, God, what are you calling me to? I'm curious the kinds of things that come to mind. I believe that there is, like, there is a call that God is saying, hey, I want you to come with me as, into the wilderness as I build my kingdom. I want you to call, come with me. And you'll have to lay down your comfort. You'll have to lay down your control at times. But this is the, this is the big idea of, of our passage in Galatians, is this, is that when we try to walk by self-effort, when we try to walk by controlling everything, we actually end up enslaved by the very things that promise us freedom. And when we lay down our freedom and we walk with God, we do get uncertainty right? You won't know everything going on. You'll feel like you're in the wilderness. Trials will come, but as you persevere with God, you will find life abundant. You will find life that is truly life. You'll find a purpose and a meaning, And you're like, well, what are these things? Well, really, the Bible's like, it's going and making disciples. It's building the church. It's laying down your life and, and saying, God, show me who you are. It's seeking God in his word. It's seeking God with the other people in the community. It's saying, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with this group of people. And, and what is crazy is God will work in you wonderful things. And actually, usually through the trials, you'll get the most precious things in your life. But all around you, as you pursue God, as you walk with God, you will see genuine transformation. So this is, this is my invitation today. The band's going to come. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna stop here. We'll pick it up. Uh, next week in this story with Abram and Sarah. And we'll look, at, we'll look at how God fulfills this promise. We'll look at again how they, they try to take things in their own hands. But this morning, here's the big call, is, is to ask yourself, what in your life are you really clinging to? What are you really holding on to? What in your life are you saying, Lord, this is mine and you can't have it? You know. And what is keeping you from a full surrender? where you say, Lord, everything in my life is on the table for you to have. Everything. A full surrender and a response where when God calls you, you go. Because right? God is calling. I just want you to know God is calling you. Like it's, what, it's what you were made for. He's calling you first to Jesus. So if you haven't given your life to Jesus, like come to that. And then Jesus will say, hey, I'm going to make you into something. You know, he said to the disciples, he said, you're fishermen, but I'm going to make you fishers of men. You know? He turned them into the people who, who, who were filled with the power of God. That's, what, that's, what, that's one of the craziest things about it. We're invited into God. We're forgiven. We're adopted in. We're called sons and daughters. And then God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit 
and I'm going to use you for my purposes. Right? So what in your life are you clinging to? What in your life is not, that is, is totally in your control that you, won't, you don't want to hand to God? God's inviting you to let that go. Second, what does, is it going to take for you to fully surrender your life to God? And then third, what is God calling you to, like as far as building his kingdom with him? Those are the things I want to, I want to challenge you with today. I want you to leave with, I want you to think about, not just on Monday, but Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. Think about it. Ask God. Say, Lord, what do you, what do you have for me? He's got a life better than any life that you could, you could ever build yourself. Uh, I'm going to pray for us here this morning. We're going to worship. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would just stir us this morning. I think about how easy it is to grab onto things in life. And Lord, I think about how, how seemingly comfortable it is to feel like we're in control. But Lord, your word is, is clear. That God, when I'm in control, I'm really one step away from being enslaved by my own desires or my own weakness or my own effort. Father, I pray that you would help us just to, to, to trust you, Lord, to say yes to you as you call us to go with you, God, into some things that are a little bit, will, a little bit like wilderness. Lord, but, but if you're with us, God, you are our shield. You are our life. You are our hope. Father, I pray this morning that you would have your way in our hearts, that uh, for those in here who, who are clinging to something, Lord, even in my own life, things that I'm clinging to, clinging to that I need to let go, Lord, I pray you would help me to say yes to you and no to the desires of my heart. Lord, I pray that you would uh, call us to something greater. And Lord, I just pray right now you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us. If there are people in here who haven't given their lives to you, Lord, I pray you stir their hearts that they would say yes to you, Jesus. That they would believe you are God who came and died for their sins, that they could have new life in you. Father, I pray you pour out a great gift of faith, and I pray you pour out a great gift of your Holy Spirit, that you would stir us up into your life and your purposes for us. Father, have your way in us. Have your way in this church, Lord, that we would live as a people of radical faith and not a people uh, who are constantly playing it safe and trying to control every little bit of our lives. Lord, I pray, set us free. Call us in your name, Jesus. Amen.